0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be uh, looking at uh, uh, an account there. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to be just looking at a few verses today, just five verses. I want to read chapter, uh, verse 12. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, the word leprosy was used in biblical times to designate a wide variety of very serious skin diseases. It was not limited to maybe what we would know as leprosy today. Uh, Leprosy in modern times is called Hansen's disease. And Hansen's disease, despite maybe what you might think, uh, is not a rotting skin infection. Essentially, with Hansen's disease, the body's warning system of pain is destroyed. And the disease acts as this horrible anesthetic bringing numbness to the extremities as well as like the eyes, the ears, and the nose of the individual. Thus, the devastation to the body comes from that. So holding on to something too tightly, touching things that are too hot. Modern day leprosy has been called a painless hell. And for the most part, it's manageable now. We've managed to all but eradicate it. And I remember Uh, As a freshman in high school, a Jesuit priest who taught my theology class recounted the time that he had spent at a very famous leper colony in Hawaii. Uh, It was uh, Kalaupapa on the island of uh, Molokai. And I don't know, I I don't think it's quite an operation anymore, but at the time that he was there in the 60s, uh, many, many lepers were there receiving treatment and just kind of being able to... um, Be uh, just kind of be on their own there. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, this is what the law says. It says, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So this leper that approaches Jesus in Luke 5, he's not under any illusions about his condition. I want you to imagine and put yourself in this man's, uh, just in his shoes. He is living a life of humiliation and isolation. He is ostracized from any community because it was thought and believed, and possibly correctly so, that leprosy was highly contagious. He assumed a disheveled appearance. He announced himself wherever he went. Worthlessness, despair, and loneliness were his companions. Now, I thought about this some. And in terms of what we've gone through as the human race, as, in, as a society and a community with the, the COVID-19 pandemic, we experienced a little bit of that, right? Yeah. A little bit of leprosy there. We all have our opinions and our stories about the the COVID-19 pandemic and I think we can all remember there was that one time when we just took a little more toilet paper. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago though in our society when we had some more thoughts about the AIDS virus. You remember the myths and the fear and the paranoia about that? Remember what we thought as a society? We thought it was a disease that only homosexuals got. We thought that some Christians thought that God was using AIDS to judge homosexuals and to kill them. We thought that you could get AIDS by shaking an infected person's hand, or by sharing food with someone, or that you could contract it if you gave someone that had HIV or AIDS a hug, or if they shared your workspace or if they breathed on you. Remember all that fear and that ignorance that we had? I'm blessed to have a dear friend that happens to be HIV positive, and because of antiviral medication, they have good health. And with the guidance of their doctor, they manage the challenges. It's it's a grace to have coffee with them, and in in my case, many, many scones. By the time that Jesus is in his earthly ministry, the traditions and the rules of the law of Moses um, expanded greatly. And this was all an oral tradition. It was called the Mishnah. It's like the oral Torah. And it was rules and traditions that expanded upon the law that God gave the Jews. And really, what these oral traditions did is that they made things more complicated and severe. And that's a very human thing to do, to take what God has made simple and clear and to complicate it. We're really good at that. The traditions and the rules in the time of Jesus went a bit like this. If a a leper stuck his head inside of a house, that house was considered unclean. It was illegal to greet a leper. Lepers were treated as dead people. The term persona non grata is just far too lenient for how lepers were treated in the time of Jesus. And yet this man, with this horrible condition, comes and begs Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, two really simple observations. One, this man, this leper, he's bold. He approaches, and there's something in this guy that... Hadn't yet died there. He was sure that Jesus can heal him. And he had this spark and that he actually approached Jesus. His only doubt was, Jesus, will you do this? Not if Jesus could. And can I just say this? May we never forget where this leper has hesitation. We have absolute certainty. Jesus is always willing. And that is a good thing. The second thing to note is what is actually going on in the ministry of Jesus, what's going on in Galilee. Jesus is impacting people so much so that he has lepers approaching him. It says a lot about what is transpiring in the pages of the Gospel of Luke at this point. Look at verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I am willing. That's an incredible thing for Jesus to say. And I, and I love that there is a, a physical response on the part of Jesus. You see, Jesus' reaction goes far beyond uh, just empathy or sympathy or pity. It's compassion, and that's just really a wonderful characteristic of God, the compassion of God. Many, many years ago, I read an article in a magazine called Christianity Today. Uh, and I know you're thinking, wow, print magazines. Yeah, remember that? Remember the 80s? <laughs> big hair begot big snare kind of a thing. The article, and I didn't, it wasn't in the 80s, it was like the late 90s, early 2000s if I'm remembering, okay. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. The article was called Smuggling Cats for a Gay Icon. It was written by a college student who at the time was attending Biola University. He needed to fulfill the university's ministry requirement, and he decided to visit uh, the Carl Bean House, which at the time was an AIDS hospice in South Los Angeles, and he met a man named Lance. Now, Lance, in his own words, had at one time or another been a writer, a stripper, a roadie, a model, an artist, a rock star, a band manager, a television personality, and an icon. This college student visited Lance a couple of times a week for a few months and spent most of his time listening and empathizing and trying to understand this brash, loud, sometimes caustic man who was dying. This college student mentioned in his article that he did talk about his faith in Jesus to Lance, but mostly he lived out a ministry of kindness. Specifically, his kindness was smuggling cats into the AIDS hospice. A couple of kittens for a dying man who loved them. I was intrigued and touched by this article, and I began to track it and see what others were saying about it. Now, tracking an article circa 2004, 2002, meant checking ancient message boards. Remember I was a moderator of a message board? I don't want you to forget that. Okay, good. Be a test later. Checking message boards and looking at the letters to the editor section of the most recent issue of the magazine. Remember the letters to the editor? Okay, good. We're all on the same Platform. I was bothered by some people's reaction to this article, and as letters came out, as people posted on the message board, it became apparent that some people were dismayed. Now, many applauded this college student for his sensitivity and courage, whatever that is. But many people wondered why a good Christian was being so nice to such a defiant person. It seemed that some dear readers would have been more comfortable and supportive if that college student had preached at or to Lance and then walked away. Instead, this college student tried to love him and spend time with him and smuggle kittens to him. Now, I used an animated picture of a kitten because I'm severely allergic to cats. And I wanted to be conscientious to any of you that might be allergic to cats. And I remembered we don't have smell-o-vision here. <laughs> Often when Jesus' interactions with people are spoken about, there's a Bible verse that Christians will automatically say, and I've said it myself Many, many, many times in teaching and in conversation, and it goes like this: Remember, Jesus dined with tax collectors and sinners. Are you familiar with that? We probably said that yourself. It's said, and in the context of said, the context is completely ignored in that verse. And the context is this: the dining with tax collectors and sinners. First and foremost, that was an accusation by the religious leaders in the time of Jesus. Jesus is at a dinner party, fun, of his newly called disciple Matthew, who was a tax collector. And the religious leaders raise that. They said, well, he's dining with sinner, tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus brilliantly rebukes them. And he proceeds for the rest of his public ministry to speak and spend time with whomever he wants to. And I appreciate that. Sometimes Christians look at this, and they look at the dining with tax collectors and sinners, and I think we want to remove ourselves from the people mentioned. We say Jesus ate with them, because, and because of that, I ought to do the same. And I think to myself, okay, I guess. I mean, there's room and application for that. But then, if you're like me, I set about determining who are the sinners and tax collectors in my very limited worldview. And suddenly, obligation and manufactured pity kind of seep into my heart about these interactions. And I have to say, the honest and intended way to look at Jesus dining with sinners and tax collectors is the fact that I'm a sinner and a tax collector. And you are too. We are the sick who need a doctor. Jesus Christ came for me. And when that is settled in my heart, there's a freedom then to interact with people as he did and how he continues to interact with people. There's a word I'd like to present to you. It's called fraternize. It's a great word that we don't use enough anymore. Fraternize means, according to the American Heritage Dictionary to associate with others in a congenial way or to associate on friendly terms with an enemy or an opposing group. comes from the Latin word fraternus, which means brotherly. It means to treat somebody who is not family and by current standards doesn't deserve to be family as if they were family. My friends, there's always going to be a risk in loving people. We are, by our decisions and by our nature, we are morally, spiritually, and theologically wayward. (laughs) Mere sympathy or pity doesn't cut it. We must have love. Love is about compassion and courage and loving people is always going to get us in trouble with those who will not engage with others in that way. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He said in Colossians 3:12, he said therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Back to the story in Luke. I love, there's absolutely no need for Jesus to touch this leprous man Jesus did so because he wanted to it pleased him to reach out and touch this man that touch said I love you I'm with you and I understand you he wanted this leper to feel his willingness and love John Calvin said, by his word alone he might have healed the leper, but he applied at the same time the touch of his hand to express the feeling of compassion. Nor ought this to excite our wonder, since he chose to take upon himself our flesh, that he might cleanse us from our sins. This touch represents a lot. It represents a lot in this story. It represented a lot to this man I point to this man had had leprosy. He has not had contact with people for a long time. How emotional this would have been for him. No contact, friends, family, maybe children. And Jesus touches him. What acceptance and feeling for this man. And secondly, I would suggest in anybody that was just Innocently watching this exchange is shocked and disturbed because Jesus, by reaching out and touching this man, is now technically, ceremonially unclean. And in the eyes of witnesses now, Jesus is liable to catch whatever disease this man has. Jesus radically and boldly placed love and compassion over ritual and regulation Back to that phrase that Jesus so emphatically states, I am willing. That's what he tells this man. I'm haunted by those words of Jesus. The Lord has been whispering, I am willing to me for a long, long time. Jesus says, I am willing. I'm willing to be sin for you. I'm willing to give you another chance. I'm willing to be your confidant. I'm willing to pick you up. I'm willing to accept you completely for who you are. I'm willing to be patient while you fumble around. I am willing to take the burdens that you insist on carrying around. And Jesus says, be clean. And I love the words that Luke chooses to use. And immediately the leprosy left him. Luke tells us in the first chapter of his gospel that he endeavored to write an ordered account of what Jesus did. And he intentionally puts that word immediately in there. The healing of this leper was sudden and complete. And I I, I picture so much. Allow me some poetic hyperbole here. This man's feet, that maybe were toeless stubs, were suddenly whole, bursting into his sandals. His his hands were maybe missing fingers, and his his fingers grew back. His eyelashes, his his eyebrows, his ears, his nose were all whole and and perfectly formed and, and healthy looking. His skin was clear and normal I'm going to go so far as to say hair might have been grown. One could certainly hope that the leper got a full head of hair out of this. And then God tells me, don't push your luck, man. (laughs) Verse 14. Jesus ordered him. And in other parts of the Gospels, the same story, it says Jesus was stern. Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was insistent, demanding that this man go show himself to the proper religious authorities in order, why? To rejoin the community that he had so long been separated from. There isn't, the implications here is that there isn't anything half-hearted or questionable going on. This man was healed. And Jesus is like, now go show yourself and be declared Okay, and rejoin the life that you have been missing. Now, I think it's very obvious we have a responsibility to follow Jesus' example. We need to reach out. We will never affect others as Jesus Christ did unless there is contact and identification. A touch, a caring involvement will do a thousand times more good than safe and proper theology. Jesus showed that love says or does what is necessary. Love responds to all people's conditions, not just on social or theological preferences. And I assure you, the Jesus who touched this leper is not currently today, at the end of 2023, sweating out the effectiveness or the relevance of the things on earth that are rightly done in his name and spirit. It is real. The touch of Jesus Christ continues to happen on this planet earth. And I know we want to make a section of scripture like this, an application like this, we want to make it really big and broad. And it certainly can be. I think that's maybe another Sunday morning conversation. But this is also about you and me. This is personal. This is inclusive to this church body. This is about our church. The implications of this story are about people at this church who have suddenly given our food closet copious amounts of canned tuna and chicken so that a beautiful person in need can make a sandwich and share some with their cat. More about cats. It's rep- represented in these beautiful pictures that, I, that are being shown right now. We had a very simple Thanksgiving food drive that this little church on the corner did for some of our neighbors at the Madison. That's a lot of food. It took me 10 minutes to get all the food and pack it in a car. And then there it is right there. That's a lot of food. I think we intuitively grasp and understand that kind of love and effectiveness. And that today is our big picture. It's our touch. It's our presence and response. Those are the instruments of God's grace and mercy, and that attracts those that, that suffer, those that are in need of the healing of their hearts, to which Jesus is the only answer and the, and the only hope. That's the hope for this world. And that's the hope for you and I, that we are going to continue to do simple and sincere things in the name of Jesus Christ. My last thoughts. I have a confession. I want to pretend sometimes that I don't know the leper. But the leper is me. Maybe it's you too. Maybe the plight of the leper describes your life and your heart. Today you're huddled here, secretly or not so secretly, a leper. You feel diseased and mangled. Jesus reaches out to you. Jesus reaches out to me. Jesus so clearly sees the way my soul exists and the way it thrashes around in this hurting body and mind that I have. I know the truth. I've heard so much. There's so much that I have tasted and seen. In my sad cases, I have hope for so many others, yet I don't have hope for myself. I simply look at myself and I mutter, Leper, unclean. And I want to set myself apart from all of the goodness of God. And yet I know. I know, I know, I know, we know. I'm broken and I'm caught in this horrible, perceived symmetry of my daily life that God is just simply far away and withdraws from me. I don't even have the spark sometimes, of that leper. Yet God obliterates this lie. God sees the apathy in the downcast soul. He approaches us on who he is rather than the lies that I feed myself moment by moment. So I've spent my time in the outskirts and in the darkness on the edge of town, as Springsteen sang. I'm guilty of obsessively thinking unclean, unlovable. Ryan, that leper with a dark heart and a dark future. And I'm so happy that Jesus just looks at me and he simply smiles. And he says, Be clean. Maybe the leprosy of sin has affected you. If so, there is no reason not to go to Jesus Christ immediately right now. He has compassion. He feels for the broken human heart and spirit. Moreover, he will reach out and he will touch our leprosy. Jesus will take hold of it. We will be healed. Sometimes all I can say is, God, I know you are willing. Please make me clean and whole. And he will. Not because he has to, but because it delights him. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the second part of verse 9 in chapter 1. He said, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a, a deadly peril. And He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Let's pray. Father, we just want to acknowledge the, the very personal nature of Jesus interacting with human beings. And Lord, it's so easy just to dismiss it and go on with our day. But Lord, this morning, may we see your willingness. May we identify with this leper. May we see your complete healing touch. And know that that can be true for us this morning. So, Lord, the burdens that we carry, the hurt and the agony, Lord, the disappointment of living in this world and being hurt by others, the messes that we have gotten ourselves in, all the things that a person would do to trip and stumble and be far away. Lord, you are close you reach out to us this morning. May we see the leper and may we see ourselves and the promise that you have to make us whole every day, moment by moment, on a daily basis. We love you, Lord. Thank you for saving us from the deadly peril of self-absorption and sin. The freeness and the wholeness that comes from a relationship with you. Jesus, we just, we acknowledge you. We worship you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.